top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You will die only to live again in a younger body. Then you can tell me if the operation was a success. I could easily kill you now. But I'm determined to have your brain. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. Hi, my name is Chris, and along with Jeff, we talk about movies that aren't really awful at all. Horror, action, kung fu, musicals, post-apocalyptic, women in prison films, and much, much more. Welcome, welcome, to, welcome to, 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 to Crap of the, of the Week. Sweet, merciful crap! That was the biggest load of crap I've ever heard! From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 327 of the Really Awful Movies podcast, Crap of the Week. Now, typically when we uh, visit this format, I'll spring a movie on Jeff that he doesn't know that I've watched and vice versa, and we um, have an extemporaneous discussion about it. It's a slight deviation we feel as it brings a little more uh, listener interest to the show, which uh, follows a pretty standard format of uh, discussion followed by what did we learn and then uh, star ra- uh, rating and that kind of thing. So I thought I'd deviate a little bit even from our deviation in that this is going to be a one-man show. Uh, it almost sounds like something it would be off, off, off Broadway. <laughs> Chris Lombardo stars in his own one-man show. Uh, but anyway, this is going to be a crap of the week where I sort of uh, do an off-the-cuff a summary of the kinds of stuff that I've been engaging with on uh, Tubi, which is a, quite a, a decent uh, streaming platform that's uh, freely available, but also through Prime and Netflix and the more conventional paid uh, streaming services and whatnot. Uh, first off, lover as I am about all things Canadiana and all things north of the 49th parallel, uh, Jeff and I are proud Canadians and we just love obscure well, we love regional horrors, and I guess if, if this this would be subsumed under that category, you could say, although I think Canada punches above its weight in terms of uh, horror, and uh, with the tax shelter movement in the 70s and 80s, and how many films were brought to the fore as a result of uh, tax deductions and whatnot for productions uh, this side of the border, I think we were able to really produce a number of just a stellar, really interesting movies. Uh, one that was really under the radar. I mean, I mean, uh, considering I'm an owner of a book called The Canadian Horror Film, and it details so many of these, I guess, tax shelter, threadbare productions that were released. I mean, there's just so many. There's even a website devoted to it, I think, called Exploitation. That's a very good reference for people to check out. But this one's called Ghost Keeper, and it's a supernatural flick from 1981, uh, directed by James Makachuk. And... It features a trio of snowmobilers that are out in the Canadian Rockies who become stranded at an abandoned, uh, I guess, one of these big t- mountain lodge type places. So, um, in you know, Banff, Alberta's Banff National Park has one of these, and they become lost. Um, 
in really in the middle of nowhere effectively and they run into snowmobile problems like can you think of anything more ridiculously apropos and canadian than that but they have an issue with that and this film was inspired by the wendigo um, native american uh, indigenous legend but what struck me as funny right off the bat and i don't think this movie has enough of a plot to really warrant uh, a more fulsome, fuller-fledged discussion, at least for the purposes uh, of this year. I thought it was very funny to see that I think the only structure comparable to the Stanley Kubrick you know, Overlook Hotel scene setting in uh, Colorado for, uh, for The Shining would be the large lodge that this was uh, filmed at, and it really becomes a character unto itself. Um, this was uh, Lake Louise, Banff National Park, and they just, um, I think they report that it was like a producer's dream because it was uh, easy to film in one location because it was closed for that period of time, and so they were able to avail themselves of this really unique sprawling structure called the, the Deer Lodge. Again, you can't get more Canadian than this, the, the Deer Lodge, and they, uh, what made scene setting and the mise-en-scene all the more... Uh, straightforward was that they basically used everything that was there uh, on location. So uh, as for the movie itself, maybe not too thrilling, but I think uh, for fans of maybe Unhinged or one of these where you get lost on the road type of movies and you're forced to take refuge in, in a house, uh, I mean, there's just too many of them to mention, but uh, this one falls under that uh, that rubric. And Really, there's not. It's fairly slow moving, and uh, this was reissued, I believe, in uh, 2017 on uh, Blu-ray with a scan of the original. Was I guess the original print was getting a little uh, out of sorts, but I mean, I really dig the, especially in the, the current environs we have here, when I'm just obsessed with all things winter and all things wintry and all things horror north of the border, and uh, when I can get stuff with snow, all the better. I was podcast Frozen. Uh, obviously not the execrable <laughs> Disney song and movie and whatnot, but uh, a pretty terrific feature about hanging off a ski lift and uh, a survivalist epic about having to f fend off wolves and uh, deal with uh, that kind of thing. So I was, I was going to, you know, this one came down the pike and I thought, man, I thought... I thought I had a pretty decent understanding of all the films and knowledge of all the films that would come out of the, during this time, but uh, I guess this one w slipped past the goalie to uh, use a, <laughs> an, an analogy that's actually referring to something altogether different, but is uh, steeped in uh, Canadiana as well. So, uh, Ghost Keeper, a New World Pictures production, short, low budget, we're talking th probably three quarters of a million bucks, although that money would have gone pretty far in the 80s. Uh, fairly standard weird creepy family uh, in in this in this home and what happens to the uh, principals when uh, they're they're um, when they take refuge in this in this structure um, among the other things I was watching this this week was uh, I revisited to speaking of Canadiana rituals which is oft noted as Canadian deliverance and um, which features a group of medics who are uh, airlifted into really the middle of nowhere, uh, or as Germans call it, in Asch der Welt, in the ass of the world, like really uh, six to seven hours north of Toronto in the absolute bush. Uh, again, you have to be dropped off by one of those... Um, uh, a seaplane or a, a float plane, I think they call it. And um, these guys have 
pretty unique banter. I mean, there's a lot of character investment in their, I guess, uh, bickering and friendly uh, jabbing of one another about, let's say, what the most difficult or, or, or most uh, intellectually demanding uh, medical subspecialty is. And you've got obviously the cardiologist versus the psychiatrist and this kind of alpha male, you know, one-upmanship and uh, a little bit of interesting class divide when the uh, float plane pilot, who's a bit of a one of these <laughs> stereotypical rednecks, drives them into the uh, bush and lands in the water and gives them a lift to their place where they're going to be, I guess, uh, camping to get away from their... Um, their practices for a little bit and uh, I believe this is also it has a, rituals also has a um, indigenous uh, element to it and that one actually has attached to it Hal Holbrook in one of the lead roles I mean which is a pretty massive get in terms of uh, uh, exploitation and uh, can exploitation specifically because he was he gained international acclaim through um, uh, his portrayal of uh, Deep Throat in the uh, takedown of Nixon uh, portrayal, obviously, All the President's Men from 1976, and he's been in stuff like uh, Wall Street and, and Creepshow and uh, uh, John Carpenter's The Fog and whatnot. So when with him leading... Uh, towing the freight, leading the way in this, it adds a, a particular sense of gravitas to the movie. And when they get set upon by a creature, uh, they it's something so innocuous and something so silly, but they actually have their boots disappear. And it's quite funny how it's a movie that is pretty terrifying and pretty remote and pretty psychologically impactful would have something that's so uh, innocuous and, and off the beaten path as a way to introduce them uh, to the, the creature. So I caught up with rituals uh, in addition, because again, I was just searching. I, we're, we all live remotely uh, during the pandemic, and I was thinking of that in both senses of the term. So uh, being distant uh, from my workplace, which is, uh, truth be told, not that far, because uh, my headquarters here are just west of downtown Toronto, and I frequently walk to work. But uh, the point remains, uh, when you're surrounded by snow, as we have been this year, um, I've been turning my sights to films that uh, have uh, the environment or uh, survivalism as, as their uh, MO. And that's been a pretty interesting thing to, uh, to tackle. And I'm just really, really obsessed with uh, different aspects of horror. Now, in addition to all things survivalist and horror, I've been diving into series of late, uh, specifically stuff on Netflix. One of one of the series that I found kind of interesting, although piss poorly done in many aspects, that could have really, really, really been spectacular and just falls flat on so many fronts, is a show called Imposter, and um, it was. It's a, an American production that's filmed in uh, Vancouver and uh, occasionally, I think, Seattle. And it focuses on a group of grifters um, led by this um, mercurial, mysterious, uh, shadowy figure named The Doctor. And he oversees a scam in which a very beautiful woman who goes by various aliases but is I think named Maddie but she goes by a whole different slew of identities and aliases and her MO is to um, bilk you know, young wealthy people out of their uh, hard-earned shekels and so she goes around and has this scam whereby the doctor uh, I guess 
uh, sets up their marks, which is, I guess, uh, scamming parlance for people who can be easily duped. Um, the uh, doctor sets up these people, and then uh, Maddie in uh, in cahoots with um, a sort of fifty-something couple whose names I forget, but who they all either work together or provide intel on the mark, and uh, in a way that facilitates. Maddie getting all uh, getting up close and personal with uh, these men and occasionally women too. So right off the bat we meet Ezra Bloom, who's a scion of a wealthy family uh, whose company he uh, works for along with his mother and father and brother if you can believe that and uh, he's the target who we meet right off the bat and he believes that he's fallen for uh, a dashing sexy vivacious, gorgeous woman from Belgium with a sexy French uh, accent and who uh, talks dirty to him in uh, en français. And um, she leaves him a video saying, uh, listen, sorry, but not sorry kind of thing as she, uh, I believe, robs him to the tune of 70K and also makes off with a bunch of uh, uh, assets belonging to the uh, family business. Now, Ezra takes it upon himself to hunt down this woman to the best of his abilities um, and uh, it sort of takes matters into his own hand vigilante style rather than going to the authorities and um, tries to get to the bottom of this in the interim hooking up with other people who have also been duped by this woman including another uh, woman as I said as, as this uh, marriage plays out uh, between uh, different uh, genders but also the same one and so his uh, efforts to track down this woman are uh, the the thrust of imposter this is quite a, an amazing conceit and when he finds out the extent to which his, the his fellow victims have been uh, built i mean this is what uh, drives everything forward so with imposters uh, my bad, I called it imposter, but yeah, with imposters, the the scammies become the scammers. As, as uh, once he finds out the other victims of this Maddie, they have all been really have all been cleared out of all their assets, so they have no way to earn a living other than uh, to uh, dupe people themselves, and they turn into scammers in order to raise money to facilitate the. Um, tracking down and exposing of the uh, scammer. So to the extent you'd buy into that conceit, it's tough to say. I mean, it, it gets uh, pretty uh, morally and uh, ethically uh, questionable here in terms of the decisions people make. You have to buy into the conceit that someone who has been scammed to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars would become a scammer themselves and only to further uh, uh, an end justifies the means um, ethos. Uh, a kind of an instrumentalism that I'm not sure I can totally get behind, but uh, the way it's sold, and this is very character driven, is actually quite compelling, and especially with uh, Maddie in the lead, and uh, that's uh, Inbar Lavi. And she's a, an Israeli actress who's, you know, again, quite just sultry and uh, probably know her from the prison, prison Break, the Fox series. I never really watched it, but uh, she's just, I mean, she's just um, just a knockout. You could see how, uh, well, both men and women would completely fall all over for her and maybe uh, um, pass along their <laughs> much coveted pa passwords for everything. So, uh, yes, imposters, uh, rituals, 
and uh, Ghost Keeper are some of the things that I've been tuning into. I also um, revisited uh, Bride of Reanimator, uh, which is again the uh, focusing on Dr. Herbert West, who is decamped to <laughs> become a, a mash unit. A war doctor on the front lines. I can't remember which war it was, but in order to source body parts. Uh, and I was thinking, like, two of my favorite movies of all time feature missing body parts and uh, medics with questionable, uh, you know, uh, values and uh, violators of the Hippocratic Oath looking to source body parts from uh, their places of work. So I'm talking about Dr. Butcher, MD, and uh, Reanimator. So again, uh, Bride of Reanimator follows. Uh, Dr. Herbert West, and uh, this, this is uh, Brian Yuzma-directed film, and uh, again, it, it follows uh, Miskatonic University, and has a pretty uh, ineffectual, although very sexy, Italian sidekick uh, to one of the doctors, and uh, she makes him pasta, and is very stereotypically Italian. This is also quite a fun, uh, light-hearted movie, so that's the kind of thing I've been engaging with uh, right now as we head into the new year, and uh, I start to consider, I guess, changing my horror viewing habits along with the season. So maybe, I mean, spring, summer for sure. That's when the camp uh, thrillers and the beach movies like Nightmare Beach and all that will come out. But uh, for now, anyway, I hope everyone is enjoying 2021 and uh, you're staying committed to all the New Year's resolutions. Uh, on a personal note here, I was just messaging my, my pal Veronica in uh, California and just letting her know <laughs> that I'm committing to my uh, workout regimen as I do every year at the beginning very robustly uh, only to promptly abandon it midway through like I'm actually do with a lot of uh, schlocky movies that I tune in in Prime. Man, when you don't pay for something, and this is a, an aside here, or when you pay through a subscription model like Prime, you are just nowhere near as invested in anything as you once were, and my attention span has really gone out the window. I've, I was watching a little bit of Stage Fright, the Michael Soavi uh, film that stars uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radice, aka John Morgan, the man best noted for having his wang lopped off in all those cannibal movies, but yeah, like if something doesn't engage me in the first five minutes, I'm like I'm in a bounce, and I feel so bad because when I was a kid, going to all these dodgy Korean uh, bodegas and corner stores and just getting them to uh, rent movies to me that I wasn't legally uh, allowed to watch, I would watch damn near every single one, and it has, something had to be really, really bad for me not to finish it, or. More often than not, I just would not have time to finish it because stuff would have to be you know, returned to the... The VHS copies would have to be returned to the store. So I, mean, I would always do my best, but right now I'm frequently watching like three, four, five movies at a time. But um, anyway, that is an aside. Prior to New Year's every year, what I do is I take my resolutions to heart in the weeks leading up to New Year's. So I get a, a jump start on everything. So this year I'm going to make a renewed commitment to health and I've got targets for uh, running, like I've started to run. I do the same route in my neighborhood over and over and over and over again, uh, just so I can uh, mark my, <laughs> albeit pitiful, progress with landmarks, because I'm pretty sure if I deviated from this um, from this routine, I would gas immediately. So while I'm by no means uh, any in any kind of marathon runner shape, I uh, try and at least... Uh, Part of the impetus was to run a charity marathon, but of course, with all such public-facing events canceled due to COVID, that uh, was wiped off the map. And I was trying—I was training for a 5K, uh, 
which is pretty modest, but given now that I can do two to three K and get by without uh, gassing, I think I've made some sort of improvements and at least five K is around the corner. I got like a target of 50 to 100 push-ups I'm doing, I'm doing jumping jacks, I'm trying to keep myself from uh, turning into um, a, a hybrid crab creature and just waddling around because a uh, sedentary lifestyle is just being exacerbated and compounded by this pandemic because ordinarily again I would walk to work, I would bike to work, even just walking to the subway and uh, and changing trains and whatnot, even that is, uh, provides some kind of uh, modicum of, uh, of, um, of uh, exercise. I'm also taking the stairs. Uh, both Jeff and I live in uh, high-rise apartment units or condo units in his case, so I've been uh, bolting out and, uh, and doing my uh, diligence there. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm very Rocky Balboa in my commitment, and occasionally you'll see me uh, air punching and, uh, and doing some... Uh, uh, shadow boxing while I, you know, hit, uh, you know, hit the streets. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So, anyway, I hope you're keeping up with all your resolutions. Going to keep this one a little bit short here, but I'll be back uh, with Jeff next week as we uh, turn the calendar year over. A reminder: if you could pick up a copy of Mine's Bigger Than Yours, the hundred wackiest action movies. That's a really, really fun one. We're getting a lot of positive feedback on Instagram. Uh, action plus horror is the Instagram account if you want to follow us um, thanks again to everyone who's been listening and all the best to everyone and hopefully we have a fabulous uh, new year that's uh, safe and uh, healthy and we'll talk to you soon, take care Thank mm-hmm. you.